Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night, the eve of free agency. Uh, Recording this one following part one of my free agency primer on the Denver Nuggets and the NBA. Make sure to check that out. Uh, It was the previous episode. Uh, I basically focused mostly on, I did did a kind of a three-part thing. Uh, you talked about the NBA, talked about the Nuggets, talked about their situation, and I think that now is time to really start talking about outside free agents, people that it's very possible that the Nuggets could sign. They could look to sign three, four, five of these guys. They could look to sign none of them and instead go with bringing back their own core, bringing back their own group. So, I thought it would be prudent to now break down some of the names, talk about some of the names that I think are are important. I've done things like this before, but this is going to be more targeted. We know, based off of the information from the draft, what they've done since the end of the season, uh, various ruminations and rumors that have come out over this time, that the Nuggets are going to try to figure out what their starting shooting guard position is going to look like for the foreseeable future. And they have some holes in their front court. They have some holes behind Michael Porter Jr. And there are some things that I think they should consider doing. And this is mostly my opinion. Some of the stuff I've heard about, nothing tangible. Like they're not they're not coming to me with, hey, we, we have a free agency list in here now. Ryan is now sharing it with the audience. No, that's not how this works. But I feel very informed on this. I feel like of the names that I am dropping here, it is likely that the Nuggets will target those names. Some of them will be out of the price range. Some of them will be interested in other teams. But I have to imagine that with Nikola Jokic on the roster, a lot of these teams and a lot of the, a lot of these players will be interested in coming to the Nuggets in some way, shape, or form. Money is what really talks, though. And Denver, they're going to have to throw out considerable offers. Not all teams have to do that, but the Nuggets are one of them, and they have to understand that. And they, of course, do. They've been going through this all the time. So the goal of this exercise is to go position by position then talk about trades and predictions at the end, where we can talk about the most important factors. And so I'm going to start with point guards, power forwards, and centers in the first segment, and then move to shooting guards and small forwards in the second. And we'll go from there. So, point guards. 
Denver has an in-house option to bring back in Marcus Howard. They already have Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, Faku Campazzo on the roster. Bones Highland is 6'3", 170. So he's kind of point guard sized anyway. So I don't know if Denver is going to consider bringing back Howard. There are concerns about that. And if you're going to bring back, or if you're going to bring in another point guard, they're going to want to go somebody that's smart, that's a veteran, that's defensive. I'm not sure if they're going to want to go with Howard, especially because they just drafted Bones Highland. They've just sunk a first-round pick into a scoring guard. So I wonder if that might prevent them and dissuade them from going in that direction. But if they wanted some immediate help at the point guard position, then here are a few names to consider. At the MLE level, these are guys that are good enough, they, they warrant they warrant consideration here. Patty Mills of the San Antonio Spurs, not a great defender, but a smart off-ball mover, elite outside shooter. I think he is going to probably leave the Spurs in all likelihood. They seem to be transitioning into a different phase of their time. So if he's looking to leave the Spurs, then Denver would be an interesting landing spot. It would be weird with all of Denver's small guards, but they could make it work. Derek Rose, if you're looking for temporary help and Will Barton goes and you're still looking for a guard who can really score, Derek Rose is a good candidate there. Not sure if he's going to get more than this or less, uh, but and I, I also have like I have reasons to not want Derek Rose on the roster. But beyond those, uh, basketball wise, he would be a good fit at various points. Alex Caruso is another one that I've mentioned before. He's a smart, defensive-minded, off-ball playmaker, somebody who uses his smarts, uses his athleticism. And is a really good defender. And if I were the Nuggets, I would consider adding him just to improve the defense. He'd be a considerable upgrade over some of the guys that they have. And having him means that in the future, if you're not sure how to best build around Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic, say if Monte Morris and Alex Caruso, Monte's really your offensive guy in the closing lineup. And Alex Caruso is really your defensive guy in the starting lineup. He's a guy that defends the opposing team's best point guard, best wing. And that could really help out Denver. He's a smart player, would fit well with Nikola Jokic. couple other guys that wouldn't take all of the MLE, but it would take part of it. Ryan Archidiakono and Corey Joseph of the Bulls and... Uh, gosh, where was Corey Joseph playing? I think he was with Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but two veterans, uh, Archie Diakono, of course, is a little bit younger, but he was with Villanova, uh, has been with the Bulls for a long time and is a smart player. He would fit really well in terms of in case Denver needed a replacement for Faku Campazzo, if they, need, if they were to execute some sort of trade and needed another backup point guard. Archidiakono makes sense. Uh, Corey Joseph has some size to play the two 
He's Canadian. Uh, would probably be a good locker room option in Denver as well. And then at the minimum, these guys wouldn't play. But if you needed something in a pinch, Jeff Teague, Frank Mason, uh, I'm not sure I would really expect much of any of them, but could be could be a good in a, in a pinch situation where you've got Monte and Faku still on the roster, but if one or both of those guys got hurt, then you at least have another ball handler in the chamber. Uh, power forwards. Your in-house candidate here is Jamichael Green. But for one reason or another, I'm, I'm a little bit hesitant about whether he's going to come back. And one of the biggest reasons from Denver's perspective is he's your eighth or ninth man. And long term, if you're trying to build Zeke Naji into an option, if you're trying to build Monte Morris, PJ Dozier as bench options too, Jamal Murray comes back, Will Barton comes back, etc. Then Jamichael Green paying him a raise, which sounds like he wants, and then giving him another one-year deal. You've got a one plus one. You don't necessarily have a lot of flexibility in that. I'm not sure if that's a good move for Denver. Because I think that Zeke Najee could give you what Jamichael Green gave you. Despite the fact that Jamichael Green is a helpful player, there are different ways that I think Denver could surround their current core with good, helpful players. We've seen what Vlako Chanchar is doing abroad right now in the Tokyo Olympics. He's really helping Luka Doncic as clearly the second or third best player on that team. And he was their leading scorer in this past game against Spain. He's been doing really well. And keeping him blocked off as the third or fourth power forward doesn't really make a lot of sense. So it wouldn't surprise me if Denver needed that organic development, and they went with Zeke Naji, they went with Vlako Chanchar. Maybe those guys battle it out in the rotation. And that would be a good situation for Denver. But if Denver wanted to make an upgrade, uh, MLE targets could be Nicholas Batum and Otto Porter Jr., Nick Batum is somebody I've talked about before, talked about him yesterday. Uh, He would be great. He would be awesome in Denver as just another versatile forward that you could put with Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon. He'd play about 25 minutes off the bench. He could be your ball mover, uh, somebody who makes a lot of smart plays all the time, stays efficient, stays low usage, allows the other guys to shoot, but can score when you need them to can be a playmaker when you need him to. He's a good option, and he would fit well in Denver. They've got a smart offense, and he's a smart player. Otto Porter, somebody I've been after for a long time. I like Otto. It would surprise me if he came to Denver. Uh, It would surprise me if Denver decided that he was the guy that they wanted to put over Zeke Naji and Vlako Chanchar, given his injury history, things like that. But He still has a good offensive game, and if you have concerns about what Vlatko and and Zeke look like as the primary backup forwards behind Porter and Gordon, Otto Porter doesn't give you any of those concerns. The only concern with him is health, and so you get him in for a medical, see what he looks like, and if it doesn't look good, then then you get out of that deal. 
but he's somebody that I would consider for sure. Uh, another three players that I would consider for part of the MLE, not the full thing. Jeff Green, doing great stuff with Brooklyn over this past year, has been very helpful on all of these star teams uh, with the Rockets, with the Cavs, with the Nets. Denver's not a traditional star team, but putting him as a fourth or fifth option next to Murray Porter and Jokic, like I, I really think that he could be helpful in that case where he could go off for 10 to 15 points in a playoff game consistently while being an athletic six foot eight, somebody who could really help out in that regard. Georges Niang of the Utah Jazz, he's probably going back to Utah, but he's like your traditional 20 minute per game backup power forward. Somebody who you can pencil in for those solid minutes every single night. And he's a little bit duplicative of the Utah guys where you've got Boyan Bogdanovich, Joe Ingles, Royce O'Neal there, who's really a power forward on offense. Niang would be pretty helpful if you have concerns about Najee and Chanchar. He's pretty good. He's like a 40% three-point shooter, good rebounder, and has some offensive skills. So I wonder if he's a name to consider. And then Torrey Craig. A return of Torrey Craig to a Nuggets uniform. I don't know if Craig would want this. I don't know if the Nuggets would want this at this point, but he showed his value to Milwaukee and to Phoenix. And having him in that in that sort of situation now in Denver, now that you have established Porter and Gordon as the top forwards on the team, uh, Najee is somebody that I think Craig could really help out at various points. There's something to like about it. And I mean, Craig will play hard. He'll do everything that you you ask him to do. And it would be a little bit stressful to have him in the regular rotation. But if he was like the 10th man, somebody who sometimes played, sometimes didn't, it's probably good. And then on the minimum, Tyler Bay of Colorado. I'm still holding out hope for Tyler Bay. He didn't work out with Dallas in his first year. It was his rookie year, barely played. Uh, still has to work on his jumper, but if he ever figures that part of it out, he's still 6'7", still athletic, still a great rebounder. Uh, he would be somebody that I would consider uh, to fill out the bench, to fill out the roster. And especially if Jermichael Green left and you've already elevated Vlako Chanchar, Zeke Naji, guys like that, Tyler Bay is like your deep backup. That sounds fun. And centers. In-house, Paul Millsap, JaVale McGee, those are your center options. Uh, Millsap, I'm now counting as a center. He was he started a power forward for Denver, but he hasn't really been a power forward for a while. Uh, he's been a center that has been playing up a position. JaVale McGee is a traditional big, has always been doing that for a little bit. But uh, both of those guys, they bring a different skill set. Millsap is a little bit more switchable as a five. He's a pick and pop guy but also can go to the post and can do some of those things. JaVale, he's your classic rim runner. He's your classic uh, rim protector. Somebody who you want to play drop defense with and force other teams to take mid-range jump shots and hope that they can outscore the math. Uh, JaVale, he didn't really ever get a great opportunity in Denver, rightly or wrongly. 
uh, for what Denver needed last year. They probably needed Paul Millsap and Jamichael Green a little bit more with that bench unit. However, if Denver has a couple better shooters, especially somebody like Bones Highland, where he can pull up from anywhere, then it's okay that you've got somebody rolling to the rim and being kind of in that paint more consistently on the offensive end. In addition, Bones Highland's somebody that you probably want a rim protector behind him. Not sure that Paul Millsap does that, but JaVale McGee could. MLE targets, uh, Kelly Olynyk, Cody Zeller, Nerlens Noel. These are guys that I think are going to, they're going to get the MLE from some team. But as we just saw with Derek Favors and the Utah Jazz this past year, Derek Favors goes for the MLE to the Jazz, plays behind Rudy Gobert. Gobert does a great job while he's out there. Favors, he's not quite the same in a situation where he probably needed to be better than where he was, but still decent, not a, not an awful player. But even though he was decent and not awful, the Jazz still had some financial concerns, and they had to sell him off to the Oklahoma City Thunder just a couple days ago. They used a first-round pick to get off of him. So, I don't think that Denver should be making the same mistake here. You have Nikola Jokic. You're going to play him 32 to 35 minutes in the regular season and then 35 to 40 minutes in the playoffs. Don't make that same mistake by adding a guy who's only going to play 12 to 15 minutes in a playoff series. Probably not a good idea. However, if you wanted to go a little bit cheaper, he's part of the MLE. There are several names that could be out there for that. Nemanja Bjelica, Serbian. Big man, stretch the floor, good rebounder, would be pretty solid. Not a good defender, but is also like smart, so he could do some stuff. Kem Birch, Canadian, uh, big man, a little bit undersized, but good rebounder, good passer for the position. Uh, he would be somebody who, I don't know if I'd want him to be the full-time center, but he's at least a good option that if you're looking to add somebody then he'd help fill out the rotation and the roster a little bit. Nicolo Melli, he played for Dallas this past year. Wasn't perfect, uh, but he has always demonstrated an ability to stretch the floor. Usually he plays next to another big. So if Zeke Nagy was out there, then you'd have good floor spacing for both of them. Um, that would be pretty interesting. Boba Marjanovic. I would love Bobi on this roster. Serbian. Uh, would be a great pal for Nikola Jokic is also just a really good player when he's out there and for Denver. Like I think you could absolutely sell the fan base and the roster and the front office and even the coaching staff on about 34 minutes of Nikola Jokic and then 14 minutes of Boban Marjanovic on the second unit. They would mash the opposing team. And would it be difficult sometimes that if a team could space the floor a little bit, rain down hellfire, then it might not be as good. Sure. However, it would be fun. And if you decided that you wanted Zeke Nagy as your backup center in the playoffs, then you can still add Boban Marjanovic in the regular season, and he would really help. He would really, really help the team. However, it sounds like he is going to go back to the Dallas Mavericks. So I would at least consider that in, in these calculations. Daniel Tice, 
played with the Chicago Bulls after playing for Boston earlier in the year, got traded to the Bulls. Uh, things did not work out with Chicago. Uh, they had injuries and bad luck and just really awful timing. Uh, but the the mix of players didn't work. And it appears that Daniel Tice is probably on the move since they also traded for Nikola Vucevic. So if they decide to let him go, I wonder if the Nuggets can get in a good word from Archeras Karnasovas. Tice feels like a guy that would be able to play 14 minutes behind Nikola Jokic, but also play some minutes next to him in some two big sets. He's got some floor spacing ability. He's got some mobility. Uh, a good switch big man as opposed to a rim protector. He's more of a switcher. So it might give Denver a little bit more versatility in that regard, but we'll see. And Tony Bradley, uh, he didn't get the qualifying offer from the Oklahoma City Thunder. So my guess is that he is going to probably go back to the Utah Jazz, who was the team that drafted him. Uh, He was traded to OKC in order to free up space for Derek Favors. I would expect that Tony Bradley probably goes back to Utah, but if not, he's a good player, good rim protector, good rim runner. Wouldn't surprise me if another team tried to pick him up, and maybe Denver's that team. And finally, minimum deals. Will, uh, Billy Herman Gomez. Billy Hernan Gomez. God. Uh, Wancho would put in a good word of the Nuggets organization. And so if you wanted to eventually bring back Wancho, uh, Billy is a is a good option there. So he's a good third center to have somebody who you don't expect him to play. But if you need him in a pinch, he's a good offensive big man. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we are going to break down the wings, the shooting guards, and small forwards. This is the most important section. We will be right back. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in everybody if you could it would be awesome if you could rate review and subscribe on apple podcasts that would be super cool helps me grow the program and helps me survive so thank you so much Uh, as we've kind of seen from these past couple days there are little tidbits of information that keep leaking out uh the the big one that happened tonight kyle lowry probably going to go to the Miami Heat in a sign-and-trade, which it's going to be very interesting to see how other teams respond to that. I, I talked about the coaching or the point guard carousel last night. We're not necessarily sure where these guys are going to go. I had initially thought that New Orleans was going to be the team for Kyle Lowry, but if Kyle Lowry goes to Miami, then they have to pivot. Maybe they look at Mike Conley, who's currently probably going to resign with Utah, but we don't know. Uh, it could be somebody else. It could be Spencer Dinwiddie. It could be Dennis Schroeder. It could be just bringing back Lonzo Ball. But there are some, and also Chris Paul has also been rumored. Like there are some that are saying that the New York, uh, the New Orleans Pelicans are trying to get Chris Paul to come back to finish his career where it started, which is intriguing. That'd be very fascinating. So. 
Lots of things are going to happen. We're going to cover it all at Denver Stiffs. Going to cover it here for pickaxe and roll. Uh, really interested in seeing how this thing goes. But for now, let's talk about the shooting guards and small forwards and kind of go through the same process, list the same names. Uh, the goal of this entire thing is just to educate the audience, making sure that everybody's ready to monitor some some of these names for whether Denver's going to target them or not. Now, if my luck is anything like the draft and Denver goes with Bones Highland as opposed to one of the people that I thought that they might, then it's it's going to be a long day for me on free agency and potentially a long week or two. So hopefully uh, among the players that Denver decides to retain or add is on this list. And so we went through point guards, power forwards, centers. Let's now go with shooting guards, small forwards. This is the wing position. This is where Denver is the most weak. And I believe it's where they're going to focus most of their attention. And it starts at shooting guard with Will Barton. He's the top name on the in-house options. He is the guy that probably, like, without without Jamal Murray out there, is probably your third leading scorer, probably the third best player on the team, does a lot of different things, doesn't do everything well, but can do things well at different times. And I think that's what I tried to stress in my article on Saturday, was that he's not going to be the all-around kind of player that a guy like Chris Middleton is. Somebody who can shoot, pass, rebound, defend, do all of those things all at once. But Will Barton has always been a guy that can do some of those things. And whatever you ask him to do, he's going to, like every now and then, he's going to be able to do it all. But most of the time, he's going to be able to at least contribute in some area. It may not be perfect. And it might take more dedication on the defensive end for a lot of people to be sold on him. But what I'll say is that Denver's offense last year, it really only started kind of wavering when Will Barton went down. They were able to figure things out, even without Murray, when Barton was out there. And that really translated to the playoffs, too, where even when like they, they didn't really struggle against Phoenix or against Portland, but when Phoenix came around, Will Barton was the one that helped really elevate things from an offensive perspective because he could create for himself and create shots for others off the dribble in such a way with such, with such confidence that nobody else on the roster really could. And so maybe that's why they got Bones Island. Maybe that's one of the reasons, and maybe that makes Barton expendable. However, I don't think that's true. I think that Bones Highland is a guy that they're drafting with the future in mind, and Barton is still here. Barton is still in the present. So it would surprise me if Barton left. It wouldn't surprise me if Austin Rivers left or Shaq Harrison, the other two in-house names that are at the shooting guard spot. Austin Rivers did a really good job of replacing what Jamal Murray had left. And he just was a great part of things and filled in the gaps and really took on the responsibility of perimeter defender when P.J. Dozier also went down. So that was really cool to see. Uh, but now that P.J. Dozier is back, and now that I think Denver can kind of reshape their roster a little bit, I would be surprised if Rivers was back too. Unless Barton goes and Denver strikes out on other guys, like I think that Austin Rivers is probably gone. Unless he's willing to accept a minimum, in which case Denver should absolutely bring him back. But I think his market is more than that. I think it's more in the 
four, five, six million range, in which case Denver, they really have to sign him using the mid-level exception, and I don't think that they're willing to do that. So same with Shaq Harrison. Like he's just not gonna be a guy. Like it doesn't look like they tendered a qualifying offer to him, so they are probably going to let him go. MLE targets, Josh Hart, Talon Horton Tucker, Danny Green, Alec Burks. Just think about those names for a second. These are names that you could probably sign to supplement Will Barton, but mostly I would think about these guys as replacements. I would think about these guys as, hey, we didn't realize that Barton was going to go, and we need either a starter or a six-man type that is going to replace this offense and versatility that Barton gives. Josh Hart, really great rebounder. Somebody on New Orleans who, though they have Zion Williamson and and they had Steven Adams last year and Brandon Ingram started and there are other guys there, Josh Hart was an elite rebounder and the Nuggets love rebounding. That's one of the things that they really stress. Uh, He's also a good, versatile defender. He's strong. He's six foot five. He gives Denver, or he gave New Orleans a lot of positional flexibility between the shooting guard and small forward spots. In Denver, he would do a lot of the same. If P.J. Dozier was out there, one of those guys would play the two, one of them would play the three, and you'd feel like you wouldn't give up that much size unless you're going up against a really big wing. But you could also go with Hart at the two and Dozier at the one and play kind of a jumbo setup. You've got Porter, Gordon, Jokic. That's pretty good. That's pretty large. I think Denver would be pretty happy with that. And so would I. Taylor Horton Tucker, he is going to be an interesting free agent to monitor. Very young, very active, long arms, like six foot four with like a seven one wingspan. Something absurd like that. He really impressed me when I watched Denver play the Lakers. And just kind of watching what he's been able to do as his career has progressed. I think he's a guy that could really pop at the next level where he moves from kind of that that very deep backup role and sometimes in, in a rotation spot to, oh, hey, you're now our best perimeter defender. You're a guy that because of your measurables, because of your mentality, uh, he's an Iowa State guy, kind of like Monte Morris. If he gets into the right situation, then maybe he develops the right skills to be an all-defense guy. That would be really, really helpful. Uh, Denver could use that. They don't really have a guy, I think, other than maybe Gordon, maybe P.J. Dozier, that could develop into an all-defense guy. So investing money in that possibility is a really good idea. However, he is a restricted free agent. He will have other offers. And I think that the Lakers are going to want to bring him back anyway. So if Denver gives him the full MLE, four years, 41 million, it's probably getting matched, but it's a good offer anyway. And then Danny Green, purely a Will Barton replacement. Hey, we need somebody temporary. Bring in Danny Green for a one or two year deal. Somebody where upgrades the defense a little bit, 
doesn't have to do a lot of the ball handling, given that Jokic and Mur- and Morris are here. And when Murray comes back, he's handling, and Porter will develop his handle too. Uh, Alec Burks, very purely a Will Barton replacement. I think Alec Burks is pretty good. He's like 90% of Will Barton. And so if you have to pivot that direction, then you do that. Part of the MLE, this is, these are the guys that I think if you re-sign Will Barton, then you might decide that you want to split up the MLE in a variety of different ways to fill different positions. Garrett Temple, Avery Bradley, Malik Monk, Wes Matthews, Kent Bazemore, Austin Rivers. Neither, like None of these guys are like spectacular. Malik Monk is kind of interesting. And if Denver were to make the make the assumption or make the declaration that P.J. Dozier is going to be the starter heading into the season at the two. Well, that's fine. You would improve defensively, and a Morris, Dozier, Porter, Gordon, Jokic lineup is probably good enough to win a lot of games. But if you need that extra punch, maybe a guy like Malik Monk or even Austin Rivers makes sense off the bench. Somebody who gives you a little bit extra scoring. Again, that's why they went and got Bones Highland. And so maybe he fills that role immediately. But if he's not ready, or if you just want somebody for a year or two, it might not be a bad idea to throw a flyer that way. Uh, but if you're looking for more defensive-minded guys, Garrett Temple, Avery Bradley, Wes Matthews, Kent Bazemore, all of those guys could be helpful. And then I had minimum Skylar Mays of the Atlanta Hawks. This is a deep cut. He plays pretty well when he's out there with Atlanta. Didn't play a ton. Wonder if he's going to be a cap casualty. Uh, Just a a flyer to throw at the wall. Small forwards. Denver doesn't have any in-house options uh, that are kind of on that free agent market, and that's fine. The problem is they just don't have a bunch of small forwards to begin with. These are the guys in the the 6'6 to 6'8, 6'8 to 6'9 range. Um, excuse me. Um, these are versatile players, good size, the ability to switch onto fours as well as switch onto twos, and you feel pretty good about it. The priciest names in this category Reggie Bullock, Kelly Oubre, Tony Snell. All three of those guys I'd be willing to throw the full MLE at. For different reasons. Bullock is your classic 3 and D guy. He is a really, really important piece, in my opinion, to what the New York Knicks did. He was basically their only three-point shooter and managed to help space the floor for a team that had Julius Randle, a rim-running center, R.J. Barrett, and Alfred Payton. Like, come on now. That is, it's really impressive to see what he did consistently. And you put him into a situation where he's now just one of the other wings that can shoot, he would probably fare pretty well. Tony Snell, very similar in that regard. He is somebody that I would consider if I were Denver, just as like, hey, you want an elite knockdown shooter, somebody who you can put into your rotation 20 to 25 minutes a night and just say, hey, these five to seven shots that are coming to you, we need you to hit them at a 50% clip from the three-point line. He's already done that before. He was the best three-point shooter in the league last year. Low volume, but give him those opportunities and he'll make the most of it. 
Kelly Oubre. I'm very curious to see what the Warriors do. They've been talking about surrounding Steph, Clay, Draymond with good veterans. I wonder if that includes Kelly Oubre or not. Like he's going to be pricier than the good veterans that they're talking about. They're going to want to avoid extending that tax bill too high. And so if you add guys like Andre Iguodala, uh, if you bring back Kent Bazemore, if you're the Warriors, then maybe you don't bring back Kelly Oubre. If you trust that Clay Thompson's going to be healthy by the time that he gets there, you've got a, a rotation or some sort of roster of Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins. You just drafted Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga. You bring in Andre Iguodala. You've got uh, some point guard shooting options. You just bring back Kent Bazemore. Maybe you don't need Kelly Oubre. Maybe just let him go. It's probably the right call, honestly, if I were them. But it could be the benefit for Denver. Like, could Kelly Oubre potentially start at the two in place of Will Barton? Like, he's really a small forward, but could he start at the two? And then you just have a bunch of positional size, and maybe he slides down to the three, down to the four on occasion, where you just play a little bit more versatile. Maybe. I kind of like that idea. Throw a flyer his way. That would be like a, a great one plus one MLE target. Part of the MLE, Trevor Ariza, James Ennis, Isak Bonga. These are three names that Ariza is kind of that standard veteran option that you want to add to the end of your bench. I'm not sure he would be really helpful for Denver at all, but he he's a good shooter and he's smart enough defensively and capable enough on that end that I, I, I think I would trust him more than I'd trust Bull Bull or Vlako Chanchar in guarding threes, guarding small forwards. James Ennis, much of the same, uh, very low usage, but a relatively high efficiency shot, uh, did pretty well. Good rebounder for his position, about 6'6". Six, six. Uh, he's somebody to consider, as well as Isak Bonga, who was kind of a cap casualty of the Wizards this time around. And I wonder if he has a little bit more to go. He's still very young. I think he's 21 years old, if I'm not mistaken. German. Uh, very good. Like I would be, I would be surprised if teams weren't going after him. Because he showed some good stuff from a young age. And then minimum options, Mo Harkless, Stanley Johnson. Those are your standard guys, the guys that you want kind of in the, the third spot in your rotation for small forward spots, maybe even power forward spots. Like, again, I would trust Mo Harkless to defend a, a small forward more than I would trust Vlaco or Bol Bol. And that's where you're really trying to do with the end of your bench there. So... That's all I have for names, folks. That's 50 total names, including the uh, particular names that I threw out in-house. You've got seven in-house guys, 43 targets. My guess is that Denver is going to kind of have their pick of the litter. Not pick, but like they're going to be able to go out and target certain pieces. Uh, I didn't name Doug McDermott, who was rumored to be an interest of Denver's. I don't know if that one makes sense. But hey, maybe it does. Maybe. Like, I, I just, I can't really see it. But you never know. You never know where this thing goes. And that's the fun about free agency is you often get surprises. So 
Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, going to do more discussion on trades as well as the predictions for free agency that I have. We will be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you're listening to this and, and you've listened by the time the free agency is already opened, then I hope I'm right in some of these things. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to hear about what Denver has in store. Uh, my guess is that there are going to be some surprises. There are going to be some big picture items that Denver is going to take care of. Uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit, but first, talk about trades and let's talk about uh, just general thoughts here. I put out that traded player exception article that I think people should definitely look at. It gives Nuggets fans, I think, a general thought on who could be available for that traded player exception that expires four days from when you listen to this podcast, August 6th. That's the possibility here. One of the names that I had thrown out there was Chris Dunn. And the funny thing is, is that Chris Dunn opted into that $5 million player option that I talked about. And then the Hawks decided, okay, we are going to move you. We're going to try to make our roster better in the meantime, but didn't really work out with you. So we're going to move you. And they moved him into the traded player exception of the Boston Celtics. So, I don't think I'm completely off base when I mention these things. Like I think that there's there's something to be said here. A reminder that the names that I threw out, Troy Brown Jr. of the Chicago Bulls, Daniel House of the Houston Rockets, Grayson Allen of the Memphis Grizzlies, Dunn of the of the Hawks, who's now gone, Josh Jackson of the Detroit Pistons, Jake Lehman of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Dorian Finney-Smith of the Dallas Mavericks, Willie Cauley-Stein of the Dallas Mavericks, who also opted into his player option. So we'll see whether he's actually in, a, in, the, in the picture or not here. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, Marcus Saul of the Lakers, and Kevon Looney, who I didn't mention in the Warriors rotation, but he's there. And it would surprise me if he wasn't there, but if they decided they could fill things out with different pieces of their roster then maybe he's gone. So keep that in mind. Take a look at that article. You can also use the traded player exception in one way that I didn't really describe. You can orchestrate a sign and trade of a free agent as long as the opposing team that was the previous uh, kind of holder of the rights of that player, as long as they agree to it. Perhaps you're sending back a future second round pick that's top 55 protected. Perhaps you're doing some other stuff, like maybe it's a little bit pricier. But Denver could also do a sign and trade in that way. And it means that they could target a free agent with that TPE money as opposed to just a player on an opposing team's roster. So it would hard cap Denver in order to do that. I don't think that they would care. 
I don't think they're going up against the hard cap, and that's really the only penalty. So wouldn't necessarily worry about it. But beyond trades and anything like that, one of the things that I've really had to think about over the course of what Denver's done over the past week, what they've thought about doing, what they haven't thought about doing, and how they continue to build this roster. Nikola Jokic has two years left on his player on on his deal. He's actually eligible to sign an extension because he signed a five-year deal. He's not eligible to sign the Supermax, but he's eligible to sign a different extension. So I doubt that he signs one, but like it's getting around to the time where Nikola Jokic has to think about his future. He has to think about what he wants to do. He's 26 years old, just won the MVP, is at the top of the world in terms of If NBA teams knew that he was interested in leaving the Nuggets, they'd be lining up to get him. They'd be clearing out boatloads of cap space in order to get him. So Denver, it's their responsibility. It is their prerogative to put together the best possible team around him that they possibly can. And that even means that though Jamal Murray is hurt this year, if he has a chance to come back, and be healthy by the playoffs, then you go for it. Then you try to win a championship this year with a a late-arriving Murray. And you just figure it out. You don't punt on the season. You try to find a good enough defensive core and enough offense to survive without Murray. Then when he comes back, you've got a situation where you can build out a great rotation that makes a lot of sense to you that is playoff-friendly, that's better than the one that Denver was able to put out this past year because of the injuries that they had. So, here are my predictions for Denver's free agency, officially. This may or may not happen. These are things that it would surprise me if some of them didn't happen. But these are me kind of going out on a limb with what Denver's doing with their own roster, and how they are going to manage things. The first order of business is they are going to sign Michael Porter to a five-year extension, to a five-year max deal. If they don't do that, if you don't hear that in the first minute of free agency, then I would be surprised. And it would mean a lot that a player who, like Porter, came off the bench at various points this past year, was a smaller role for a lot of the season, and then ultimately built himself up to a 19-point-per-game second option by the end of things. If he wasn't offered the five-year max, that says a lot. So, expect that to start. Number two, my guess is that Will Barton is going to re-sign. It's like 55-45, though. These could be famous last words where... I say that Will Barton resigns, and then first minute of free agency, he has an agreement to go to like the Knicks or the Mavericks or something like that. If that's the case, then I'm sorry. But to me, it looks like Barton is going to be at his best and he's going to be at his most needed if he comes back to Denver, at least starts for the next year or two, 
And then you start thinking about things after that. But he fills a need in Denver. Doesn't have to be the highest paid player. Doesn't have to be the highest productive wing. But while Murray is out and Porter is still adjusting, if you get a guy in who can be a good solid third option, and then maybe kind of devolves into a fifth option, sixth option by the time the playoffs roll around, that's good enough. Third, I think Jermichael Green's going to walk. And as I spoke about in the first segment, I think that's okay. There are just some things that I'm not sure if Green is the right fit going forward with Denver, given that they just added Aaron Gordon, given how much they like Michael Porter, how he's going to be a part of things, given how they added Zeke Naji and want him to be a part of things too. And given that Vlako Chanchar is doing what he's doing for Slovenia right now, I think that Denver can survive without Jermichael Green. And that's okay. Denver should be investing in wings. They should be investing in guys that put Porter into the four position as opposed to the three. If you're always playing too big, you're never going to have enough defense and enough shooting to survive in a playoff series where everybody goes small. Sometimes you'll need to go big, and that's what happens when if you've got Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Zeke Naji next to Nikola Jokic, then you're big enough. You're good. You're fine. But right now, Denver doesn't have enough options that if they want to go smaller and move Porter to the four, move Aaron Gordon to the four, to the five even, they don't really have the optionality to do that. So I think that losing Jermichael Green, even though he was health, he was helpful and good at what he did. I think that it's probably the right call. Now, if he's willing to come back for less, like three years, 18 million, something like that, he probably signed that deal. And that's probably fine. But I don't expect that. Four, one of Millsap or JaVale will be back. Maybe even both of them. But I think that Denver will try to keep that continuity in at least one place. If it's not Jermichael Green, that's fine. But if it's JaVale McGee, then he's going to be locked at the five. And it's going to put a lot of pressure on Zeke Naji, on Vlako Chanchar, to improve at the four. They can do that. And they might even have to slide to the five on occasion if JaVale isn't great. But I think JaVale could be helpful. I really do. I think he actually would help facilitate things in a good sense of traditional offense for the Nuggets in the regular season. That'll be good. As far as Millsap goes, we'll just have to see. Not sure what he wants. He might decide he wants to retire. We'll see. Number five, Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, both of them are gone. If Barton is coming back, if he's healthy, then I expect that Austin Rivers is not going to be needed. Denver just drafted Bones Highland. They still have Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Faku Campazzo. They could even bring back Marcus Howard, and we'll talk about that next. But for this, I think that Rivers probably gone. And Harrison, too. Despite the fact that he really helped in the perimeter defense in a lot of cases, I think that Denver really found out, man, it is really hard to score when Shaq Harrison is on the floor. And that was true. 
Denver couldn't play that traditional sense. They had to rely a lot on Michael Porter to save them in the second unit. So we'll see what they do. We'll see what they ultimately figure out. But my guess is that both of those guys are gone. And number six, I think that Marcus Howard is 50-50. Depending on Millsap and JaVale, I think both of those two guys in the front court, probably the priority, given that Denver does have small guards already. Porter's the first priority. Barton's the second priority. I think that Millsap, JaVale, figuring out, and maybe Green too, but figuring out what to do with those three is your next priority. You figure out Marcus Howard. Figure that out. If there's a roster spot for him, then he can have it. If not, then Denver just, they'll, they'll have to make a choice. Bull Bull, number seven. I think that Bull Bull is probably, in this case, I would guess that he's going to be traded. That is my guess. Uh, there's just been a lot of noise about that that I'm not sure that he, uh, just a sec, got a text. Um, I'm not sure that he is in a good state of mind in Denver. That's my brother. Um, not sure he's in a good state of mind where he can continue to grow, continue to develop. Uh, Denver drafted Zeke Naji, and then they played him, and they played Vlatko over Bull. And it doesn't look like Bull has really taken that too hard. Like where he's he's really wanted to motivate himself to play harder and play with uh with more alertness and and uh what I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but there's not a lot of uh verve in what Bull is doing right now and that might just be a style thing but it doesn't seem like he is on edge enough in which case. Denver has to go a different direction, uh, whether it's like the Houston Rockets or the OKC Thunder or another team in the East, like maybe it's Cleveland. There are a lot of teams that I think could use a guy like Bull Bull, could see what he has, develop him a little bit. Last prediction. The Nuggets will sign someone for the MLE, or they will once again split it. Denver has a history of splitting the MLE. To the point where it would make sense if they did it again. They did it with PJ Dozier. They did it with Bull Bull and Jamichael Green. And they've done it with others before. So I wonder if they do it this year. I don't know if they have enough roster spots to be able to do it. And if that's the case, then maybe they just decide, hey, we're going to go all out. We're going to try to find the best possible player that we can get. And we're going to offer that player the full MLE, whether it's Reggie Bullock or Nicholas Batum or somebody else that I have mentioned over the course of this time, Josh Hart, Talon Horton Tucker, Danny Green. Uh, There's a lot of names. Kelly Oubre. It's another name. I think that Denver should be focusing on adding one of those players. Because if you bring back Barton and add one of those guys, then at the the outset of your playoff rotation starts to take shape. You've got Murray when he comes back. You've got Barton. You've got Porter. You've got Gordon. You've got Jokic. That's your starting five. You've got Monte Morris off the bench. 
You've got whoever the MLE target is, most likely on the wing or the forward somewhere. You've got PJ Dozier, and you've got Zeke Nagy. And then you build it out from there. That is a great start. That is a great way to go to Nikola Jokic and say, hey, look, we have built a really strong team here. Even with Murray injured, we decided that we wanted to put together the best possible team that we could. Committed to Michael Porter, committed to Jamal Murray before that. Maybe they'll try to sign Aaron Gordon in the next offseason. Because I don't think they're going to agree to an extension. Maybe they do that, but I'll just say for my prediction's sake, they don't agree to an extension. But what I would expect is that they can use all of those things going forward. Say, look, Nicola, we put together a great team, and we believe that going forward we have a championship winner. Even if they don't win it this next year. Let's say Murray's not fully ready. Let's say Porter's not fully ready. Doesn't mean they won't be ready the following year. Doesn't mean they won't be great. And Jokic will still be in his prime. You won't have wasted a year. You'll still have gone for it. And there's no reason to believe that Denver can't be the team to take down the entire Western Conference next year and go to the finals and win a title. But they have to commit. They have to spend. If they don't spend, then it'll be shaky. If they just bring back the same cast, then maybe they say that's good enough. I'm not sure if I do. I'm not sure if I buy that they have enough perimeter defense and enough outside shooting and enough versatility to say that just bringing back the same group is good enough. I think you got to go for it. I think you got to get aggressive. Because if you don't, you might be looking in the rear view if Nikola Jokic decides to go elsewhere and think, man, really should have spent that extra 5 to $10 million. Would have been great. But you don't want to do that in retrospect. You want to do that up front. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to check out part one of this free agency primer if you're looking for more information about the salary cap, the luxury tax, what Denver's situation is, what they can do. I hope everybody is prepared. I know I'm prepared. I've done all my homework. I think I know what Denver's going to do. Let's see what happens. We can enjoy it together. Thank you so much, everybody. Check out denverstiffs.com for all the latest. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.